Hey, welcome to More Than Bread. My name is Dan, and I'm your host for this 20-minute dive into Scripture. If this is your first episode, well, if it's your first episode, go back and at least start in the beginning of this chapter on the Psalms. You could even go all the way back, get the Gospels, but in any case, if it's your first time, I'm a pastor in central Pennsylvania who has spent over five decades in the Word of God, and and I, I found Jesus' words to be true when he said, we need more than bread to thrive. We need every word that comes from the mouth of God. You know, every once in a while, I think it's good to be reminded, at least for me, why this podcast matters. It takes me a little bit of time to put all this stuff together and get it out a few hours probably for each and every episode. So if if it matters, um, I'm willing to do it. If it, if, if it doesn't matter, I, I don't know. But I believe it matters. It, it matters because God's word matters. So at the risk of distracting you from our mission at hand, let me ask you to take a moment and just remember a favorite meal. Not so much the occasion as the food itself. Think of your favorite food, your best meal, the food you would choose if you could choose it right now. It might be something amazing that you would never eat every day, or it might be comfort food that you long for every moment, or dessert, Lynn's cinnamon rolls, pure comfort food pizza, best food ever. I had the steak once that was literally melting your mouth amazing. What is it for you? Now imagine never, ever being able to eat that again. And I'll take it even a step further. Imagine being in a time of famine where you would settle for the least desirable food you can imagine just to fill your gut and ease the pain. Now listen to these words again. I read them back near the beginning of this chapter on the Psalms. They're from Amos chapter 8, one of the minor prophets, chapter 8, verses 11 through 13. And here's what Amos writes. The time is surely coming, says the sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread or water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. People will stagger from sea to sea and wander from border to border, searching for the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. Beautiful girls and strong young men will grow faint in that day, thirsting for the Lord's word. See, Amos, like Jesus, like the psalmist that we've read over and over again, especially in Psalm 119, reminds us that life is more than bread. Sometimes we take the availability of God's words for granted, just like we take food for granted. But when it's taken away, not just the book, but the hearing of God's voice through the word of God by the spirit of God, I'm telling you, our souls begin to stagger. Our hearts grow faint. And so I'm praying. I've been praying for you, every person who listens to us. I've been praying that God will give us a hunger for his word in these days. In this chapter of More Than Bread, we're diving into the Psalms, my top 40 Psalms. And in the last episode, we hit a bonus Psalm, one that was not initially on my top 40 list. And today we have another bonus Psalm, Psalm 131. So listen as I read from the English Standard Version. The psalmist writes, Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me, but I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Now, Psalm 131 is about as short as Psalm 119 is long. It's not the shortest chapter in the Bible. That's Psalm 117. This psalm is one verse longer than the shortest chapter in the Bible. But my goodness, you could meditate on the three points of this psalm all day long. Am I occupied with things too great and marvelous for me, or is my heart humble? Have I calmed and quieted my soul, or is it full of distraction and worry? 
Is my hope in the Lord or is it in something else, my own abilities or, or whatever I'm dependent upon? Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high, the psalmist says. I, I don't occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me, but I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother's my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Eugene Peterson, in his book, uh, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction, great book. You should get it. It it goes through these psalms of ascent. But he, he calls Psalm 131 a maintenance psalm. I like that. He, he writes, it is functional to the person of faith as pruning is functional to the gardener. It gets rid of that which looks good to those who don't know any better and reduces the distance between our hearts and their roots in God. And he goes on by saying that the two things that Psalm 131 prune away are unruly ambition, ambition, unruly ambition, and infantile dependency. What we might call getting too big for our britches <laughs> and refusing to cut the apron strings. My heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. That's unruly ambition. I've, I've calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Weaned being the operative word here, not still nursing. Glad to be by my mom, but not tied to her like a baby. You know, honestly, we could just pause there and place ourselves on that continuum and do some pruning. But, but there's another place related but different that I want to pause, another application theme that I, I got almost immediately. I get almost immediately when I read these three verses. Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me, but I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. Hope in the Lord. From this time forth and evermore. Now, now when you, you hear those words, I, I don't know. It, here's what I get. Don't you just get this sense of God saying, hey, slow down. Be still. Take a deep breath. You're, you're worried and distracted by so many things. Just sit for a moment in the now. In this moment, be still. It's, it's not about what you have to do later or what you didn't do yesterday. It, later, you can go back to marvelous things that are hard to understand. Later, you can go back to the energetic, frenetic pace of adult life. But for the moment, be here with me. Take a deep breath. Rest. Be still. This was a psalm that was what we needed for the last three years. It's a psalm for a next generation that's filled with anxiety. It's a psalm for people not really looking forward to the chaos of another election. You know, I, I look back in the, at the last three plus years and oh my goodness, we, we were divided so easily and, and more versed in conspiracies than scripture, frenetic and worried and trying to ponder things we could not understand that filled us full of anger and anxiety. Really, for, for a few moments, all I want to do is just give us a little room to breathe. I, I just want to help us find room to breathe in the midst of an out-of-breath world. So here's how I want us to start. Take a deep breath. Hold it. Now let it out. Take another deep breath. Hold it. Now let it out. Just be still. Maybe even imagine you're trying to sleep. <laughs> Some of you are thinking, I don't have to imagine. I'm trying right now. <laughs> 
But for the rest of you, imagine, you've been tossing and turning for hours, in part because there's some stuff you just can't stop thinking about, right? You're you're replaying a scenario over and over again in your head, some vision of tomorrow, of what might happen, or yesterday, what what did happen, and all the ramifications for now, how, how a hope could be dashed, an uncertainty that you wish was less uncertain. Researcher Lucas Frenere writes, This is what breaks my heart about worry. It makes you miserable in the present moment as you try to prevent misery in the future. Continually distressed over future events that never happen, worry is sucking the joy out of the here and now. And in other words, it, it just it becomes hard to catch our breath. It's hard to calm and quiet our souls. In his study on worry, participants recorded their worries every night and how much time they spent worrying about each worry that day. 20 days later, they reviewed and recorded every worry that had come true. They found that 91.4% of their worries never actually happened. Isn't it good we can put a a number to it? And yes, I know what you're thinking. That was pre-2020, right? I mean, in the last few years, every chronic worrier in the world has been deeply vindicated, you know, the second weekend of March 2020 was the first Sunday we met virtually because of COVID. And a week later, I was the fourth person in Center County to get the corona crud. Sickest couple of weeks I've ever experienced, still dealing with long-haul effects. That weekend, we started a teaching series called The Edge of Breakthrough. We spent the first two months of the pandemic looking at Jesus' words in John 14 through 17. And how did those words start? Don't let your heart be troubled. In verse 1, and again in verse 27, don't let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. And even better in John 16, 33, in this world, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I'm bigger than the world. Man, those have been good and necessary needed words for the last few years. I mean, think back. In January of 2020, fires in Australia burned millions of acres. Then a U.S. drone strike killed an Iranian general, and we wondered if World War III was on its way. March gave us COVID and the dominoes of cancellations, quarantines, hospitalizations, and deaths began. I was in Minnesota on May 25th, the day George Floyd was killed. That was the same day my granddaughter Maisie was born. His death sparked a June like we've never seen before. Protests spread worldwide and at points, the pain erupted into violence. In 2021, the Capitol attack kicked off our new year. In February, a military coup in Myanmar, where so many of my friends lived, turned the world upside down for our Myanmar family. In August, we left Afghanistan, and now the Taliban is back in power. On to 2022, Russia invades Ukraine, which leads to gas going up as the stock market goes down. Man, it is just hard to catch our collective breath and woven through so much individual pain. It's been a rare week in the last few years that I haven't spent time talking to or praying for someone wrestling with trouble, marriages struggling, depression, money problems, people we love dying or wanting to die, kids with anxiety, the deep pain our brothers and sisters of color feel when racial injustice roars its head. It's hard to catch your breath, and yet, and yet God is still God. The king of the kingdom is still king of the world. Jesus is not just prominent. He's preeminent. He's not just sufficient. He's sovereign. He's not just someone in the world. He's the one who holds everything in the world together. Nothing that was created was created without him. And in him, listen to me, you are part of something ancient, endless, unstoppable, and certainly beyond all uncertainty. He is the joy giver, abounding in hope. And listen, you are covered in his love. The one who parted the Red Sea with the breath of his nostrils, who could dig the Grand Canyon with his pinky, thinks your worth is death on Roman wood. 
and he adopted you because he wanted to. You won't face anything in your life, in your church, in your neighborhood, at work that he can't handle. No matter where you walk, who you meet, or what you step into, Christ is enough. So perhaps for a moment, we might lower our hearts and our eyes from the marvelous and wondrous things that we're pondering and hoping to understand in the days to come. And perhaps for a moment, we might just take a deep breath and quiet our hearts and calm our minds and remember our hope in God. I don't know, maybe I'm the only one who needs that, but maybe you do too. And perhaps for a moment, in this moment, we can hear again God's invitation to Moses in Exodus 33, where the Lord replied, My presence will go with you and your people, Moses, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. you understand? In this moment, in his presence, there's rest. Moses, Dan, Lynn, Sue, Lois, Jerry, my, my presence will get, go with you and I will give you rest. Hear God say your name. I will give you rest. You'll find rest in me, in and out of breath world. I will make room for you to breathe. You can catch your breath in me. Do you understand? Making room to breathe, it's not a technique or program. It's not a deep breath. His presence gives us rest. Techniques and programs won't encourage us. We can't make room to breathe if we don't make room for him. He is the breath giver. And if and if you think this invitation was just for Moses, Jesus gives the same invitation to all of us in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, when he says, come to me, all those of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest. You will find rest. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And some of you are going through some stuff. You're carrying burdens that I couldn't carry, but listen, neither can you. Unless you come to him, if you come to him, he'll give you rest. And if you take it a step further and get yoked to him, surrender control to him, I'm telling you, it'll go even deeper. If we come, we'll find rest. But if we get yoked, it'll go soul deep, soul deep, restorative peace, abounding joy. That's God's invitation to the psalmist, to Moses, and to you. It's Jesus' invitation to you, come. But at least in part, Part of our problem is that so many things jockey for our coming to Jesus. So that coming to Jesus is just one more thing to fit in. Can't stop. If we don't fill our minutes, we'll fall behind. Can't slow down. No time for the now. No time for interruptions. Got to worry about tomorrow and ponder yesterday. But what if getting ahead is the wrong race? What if getting ahead is really falling behind and we have to be interrupted by God in order to catch up with life? Sometimes we have to be interruptible in order to find the calm and the quiet of the now moment where God is offering his presence. I mean, what if God right now in this moment through Psalm 131 is inviting you to stop running? Catching our breath might require a pause for God. I mean, what's it going to take for you to stop running? <laughs> On average, we check our phones 96 times a day and we get almost four hours of screen time in, not counting TV. If our phones were a burning bush, we'd never miss God. What if God is saying, this is holy ground, this now moment is holy ground. Turn your phone off. You know, Not long after moving to Chicago, John Ortberg called Dallas Willard to ask for some spiritual direction. It was just a crazy time of transition, difficult on his family. He described his current situation, the state of his heart, his family life, his job. 
And then he asked Dallas, what do I need to do to be spiritually healthy in my current circumstances? If you don't know Dallas Willard, he's, he, he was one of the greatest writers and authors on spiritual disciplines. And, and so John Orberkall said, what do I need to do to be spiritually healthy in my current circumstances? There was a long pause, and this guy who authored out of dozens and dozens of works on spiritual practice, he said this one thing, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. There's another long pause, and John said, okay, okay, I've got that one. That's a good one. Now, what else is there? There was another long pause. There is nothing else. If we want to breathe deeply in God's presence, we need to ruthlessly eliminate hurry. One of the great barriers to making room for God is our inability to be still. It's our busy, anxious striving, our technologically omnipresent connectedness, and the feeling that no matter how fast I go, I'm never going to catch up. Hurry has become the speed of our life, but it's not the speed of breathing deeply in the moment. Ruthlessly eliminate hurry. You know, when is the last time you just let God have you? Few things have driven me in my life more than wanting to be used by God. My breath prayer has always been, God, put me in the place where you can use me the best. But in, in this last chapter of my life, God has refocused my heart so that I think nothing drives me more than being loved by God and loving God with all my heart. My breath prayers become, God, would you put me in the place where you can love me the best? I'll never forget the day I was driving from my office to a pastor's prayer meeting. And on the way, I was praying, God, would you use me like you used Moses? Let me be your Moses. And as I prayed, Exodus thirty-three seventeen came to mind. It says, and the Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked for. You have found favor with me. And listen to this. And you are my friend. And I just had this overwhelming sense of God whispering to my heart, I miss you, Dan. And I can't tell you how sweet and hard those words were. This flood of memories flowed into my soul times when I've gone on long drives just because I wanted uninterrupted time with God. Times when I've opened the Bible and it's like having coffee with Jesus and he's speaking to me for me, not just so I have something to give you, (laughs) just for me. And so I found myself praying, God, whether you use me like Moses or not, would you help me in the last third of my life to simply be known by you as your friend? Listen to me. That's his invitation to you right now. Take a breath. Be still. Everything else will wait. Be present with me. Calm your soul. Quiet your mind. Bring your eyes to me and find your deepest hope in me. Let me pray for you. Father, I I pray that in this moment, would you give each person listening just an extra two or three minutes that that maybe even translate into five or ten of just being still, of just sitting and being quiet, of kind of emptying our mind of the distractions and listening for your voice, maybe reading this psalm over again. God, I pray that even throughout the day or the night or tomorrow, that, that that you would give us a sense of ease in the moment, of being present with you in the moment, of of not worrying what other people think about me and us and, and what I'm doing and what I need to be worried about and what happened yesterday and what's going to happen tomorrow, but instead that we would bring our minds and our souls and our hearts into this moment with you. God, meet with us there in this moment. God, meet with us there. Meet with each person listening in this moment.
God, that we might one day, (laughs) every one of us, each and every one of us, be known as a friend of God. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.